Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy. We've got a great show for you on this podcast. Not like we don't have great shows for you every time, but I am laughing. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy. Well, I don't know. I mean, get ready. We've got so much information coming at you. It's going to be awesome. This is you're you're like you're like trying to create a quip every 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 uh, podcast. And speaking of that, did you notice we got tweeted at uh, Team Radar Love just tweeted at us, and I honestly I had to stop what I was doing and and just laugh. For a I moment. saw that too. Thank you. He he. I, I tried to retweet it as as well. He tweeted out this picture of Bob Barker from Price is Right fame. And if you if you've ever seen that show, of course, Bob Barker's big thing is spay and neuter your pets. But he's changed it now, thanks to Paul from from on Tuesday. And it says, and remember, folks, don't forget to get your pets lexified. So I just think, <laughs> can we just have that enter the vernacular? That is awesome. That See, it's perfect. already a thing. And, you can get anything I know, lexified. Who knew? Yes, you can. It's frightening. And may I also encourage you, by the way, most people don't realize this, but very early on, I don't remember if it was podcasts or even back on the show when it was, but you actually coined the term Pri before uh, Toyota even asked, what should we call multiple Priuses? And you were like, well, it was Pri long before they... Uh, so apparently you have a gift, sir, for wow. Toyota products especially. So yes, <laughs> I don't know why uh, it's everybody gets products. <laughs> Get, get, get your get your pets lexified. Yeah, let's do a podcast, shall we? What else could you get lexified? Please write to us Stop. at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Just kidding. <laughs> and scene. Yes. <laughs> ah, great stuff. As I was saying at the top of the podcast here, we have two car debates, as you might have noticed from last Tuesday's podcast. We're trying to squeeze more into less, or more into the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. We are doing two podcasts, and we have James. He is a machinist on a U.S. Navy submarine, and he is deployed six months out of the year, riding from Seattle, Washington. And in the U.S., we love our veterans. We love our active duty military personnel. So thank you for writing in, James. We are stoked. And he's got a rather healthy budget to work with, 45 to 50K here. And, uh, Looking for something fun, which is great. I, I have, uh, well, for both of these guys, I have a super extra duper wild card for both of you. And uh, huh. can't wait to share that. And uh, our second person here is Tom. He's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, writing, and he's 28 years old, lives in Pennsylvania, and has caught the bug. He has pronounced, which he's love. experienced. The Awakening. Ah, the Awakening. He is now That's great. an enthusiast driver and ex- excited. And so he writes to us asking, I've got to jump in. I've got to get rid of the car I have and jump in. What do you guys think? And, it, and in, case, in case you don't know, Tom, we are happy to be your bad influence. We're here <laughs> for you, man. So thank you for writing to us. Looking forward to talking about that. Uh, other things we should talk about. Actually, we had a really good question that I want you to touch on, Paul, where uh, we were being asked about long-distance car buying, uh, sight unseen. I mean, Mm. you've done this on a couple of times. In fact, you've done it with a couple of Porsches. So I think you should talk about that further. We also should talk about, you know, we're always changing little things behind the scenes. Due to, I know you're going to be shocked at how this comes together, due to your frequently asked questions, we have now posted a frequently asked questions page to go with our adventure page. So if you're curious about that pilgrimage adventure, uh, a few of you have asked, guess what? The same question over and over. So uh, that has, which is helpful, because that's the thing. As we've dropped this, we haven't really known what info are you looking for? We're trying to give you the info that's necessary, but we don't bombard you on that page. So we now have an FAQ. If you're curious about further things, about what cars we're driving, how much driving, that kind of stuff, what's included, that is now possible on an FAQ link there on our adventure page. We would love to have you on that. It's kind of a bucket list trip of a lifetime. It's even better than our film. And now we're offering you a little more information to clarify. We've got a few of you that have signed up already, a few more of you that are circling. Uh, we need eight of you. That's what we need to go. We would like to take 12. So the first 12 of you that want to come, let's do it. I'm sitting over here nodding. Yes, the vultures are circling. 
We would love to have you. Please sign up. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we're looking forward to having you with us. So check out more information. I was reading through that, and it was good because we didn't post that when we posted the Adventures tab. It's actually based on the mm-hmm. information you guys have wanted to know. So hopefully very Agreed, specifically yeah. tailored to yeah, yeah. you know what you're thinking. So that is brand new edition. Also, under that Adventure tab there, the Chicago Track Day for 2016 coming at you mm-hmm. August mm-hmm. 22, August 22, 2016. It's a Monday. We are, are aware. However, that gives you family time <laughs> for the weekend. And then come out to join us with Sean Young from lapsincorporated.com. As a matter of fact, that's where to sign up and use the code. So go to the Adventures page to get more information and uh, yep. bring your car. We would also, if you don't want to track a car, you don't have a car to track. I mean, you could track a Honda Odyssey minivan, but we don't suggest it. Hey, it, it's run what you brung. It really will be. I yep. suppose so. Hey, we could pack it full of people and then track the thing. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Anybody have a minivan they want to bring to the track? Anyway. Have, have one of those how many people can you fit challenges followed by a track lap. That yeah. sounds horrifying. Honey, but I the, imagine, the Imagine the GoPro shots there. Look, all I got this entire <laughs> shot was the back of some guy. Anyway, yeah, okay. That'll be Very your funny. avatar. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Terrible. So, yeah, the Chicago Track Day, check that out. We would love to have you join us. And as I was saying, even if you don't want to track anything, come on out. Join us for the day. Hang out. Meet us. And uh, looking forward to some fun interaction there. And we're hoping to do a live podcast there, which it's one of those things where we both went, yeah, let's do a live podcast. The more we've talked about it, the more we've gone, how exactly are we doing that? We think we've got it mastered, but it will be cool to do a podcast there live with all of you. And, and see how that goes. That'd be something new and different to do that day. But it should be a lot of fun. We're gonna, Paul and I are going to get on track some. We're also just going to walk around some. I uh, want to see what cars people have brought and, and meet people and just encourage you. If you have never been on a track, this is the perfect event to try it. It'd be a great one. We're going to have face painting, a petting zoo. Wait, no, that's Stop the wrong it. venue. Wrong. We're going ha- to have a Lexify your pets booth, though, apparently. <laughs> what else can you Lexify? Huh, I like the pets. You need a Lexify gun to just point it at something and blam, Lexify. It's, it's it's the Lexus equivalent of a T-shirt cannon. It's going to be perfect. It's exactly, be perfect. Yeah. a T-shirt cannon that Lexifies anything you pointed at. Whatever it is you pointed it at. I don't know what happened, huh. but that's when it's all said and done. There it is. <laughs> I'm crying over here already. All right, uh, moving on. This was uh, a question posted by Neil Primer on Facebook, actually, but I thought we'd we'd uh, start out with it and uh, touch on this briefly about buying a car long distance, essentially sight unseen, even though you're looking at it through photos, maybe a video walk around, something like that. A couple mm-hmm. couple items for you all, and as well as Neil, and that is, I really want to hear the story of why the owner bought it and why the owner is selling it. Now, this applies to mm-hmm. private party only. If it's from a dealership, it's a different story. But from a private party, I want to know the story. I want to chat with them a little bit. I want to get to know them as an owner. Why did they pick this car? Why did they own it? Mm-hmm. Was it for a fun pleasure cruise? I'll give you an example. The first Cayman I had, sounds kind of weird to say, but the first Cayman. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, you're that guy. Oh, yeah, okay, I go guess on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that car was owned by a fellow in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is not known for twisty mountain roads, I don't think. And so this is true. it's more not of a, a lot of that. grid kind of a layout for the streets. So he just bought it. Uh, he wanted a fun car just to kind of cruise around it. So he never tracked it. He never did really anything with it except just drive it normally. And I thought, all right, mm-hmm. that's a good indication of he probably just had it maintained, drove it normally, you know, things like that to listen for. And, you know, you mm-hmm. want to hear the whole story about, okay, why are they getting rid of it now? His story was yeah. fourth kid, minivan, new house, wife said it had to go. So, yeah, okay, yeah. that's fair. And. And you were able, I mean, I, I have to also call you out. You've had the unique experience of you've bought three Porsches in your lifetime and you've bought them all this way. It's all been long distance, the owner burying you in photos and you grilling me information about what was going on. But the other thing you end up doing is you end up calling and it helps with uh, with Porsche specifically because the records are so specific and so many people mm-hmm. get their car serviced at the dealer. But you've always chased the dealers separate of the owners and just gone, okay, this car, I'm looking at it, give me the rundown. Yeah, yeah, and usually the service department is happy to share the records. You know, they delete the prior owner's name and all, but they're happy to pull up all the records, and it's very helpful so you can see what's done. And you're right, Mm -hmm. I bought three Porsches sight unseen. I can't believe that. Maybe it's a thing. I mean... Uh, Clearly, clearly it's a thing with you, yes. Well, I mean... But you've been successful on it. 
Yeah, and you know, you're searching for the right car that suits you, so it, it behooves mm -hmm. you to look around, and that's what we suggest is, you know, look away from your local area. Um, you know, it, it's certainly a consideration. You can drive the car home, you can have it shipped. And uh, mm -hmm. for this last car for, for, uh, from a dealership, I will call out Alan Birch. He was the sales executive I worked with at Porsche of North Scottsdale. He was excellent. And his resume is up there. He's a Porsche guy. He's a car guy. You could very much tell by the demeanor. He was very forthcoming. I mean, I, I'm not saying I can't be suckered, but you can kind of get a, a good feeling from somebody, even over the phone. You can get a demeanor. You can kind of hear their story. And in this day and age mm -hmm. of LinkedIn and you know the internet, of course, it is your friend. You can look up people. Not that you want to, you know, be you know, trying to search for people specifically. But if you find them on LinkedIn, you can find their background. You can, you know, see, okay, yeah. this, this yeah. person's legit. I, I know who I'm talking with. And and that certainly helps, all those things. I mean, it'd just be, it'd be like when you're chasing somebody from a sales perspective, you know, mm -hmm. you're chasing somebody down, you're, you're looking at them on Hoover's or wherever else. Um, so he and I chatted, I had a really good feeling, and he was very forthcoming with every question I had. He took extra photos. So if that person goes the extra distance and you know, really wants to make you happy, you can get that sense over the phone. And that helps to buy it sight unseen. There's mm -hmm. horror stories, there are, there are. But there are things you can do. And then if you have a friend nearby, have them go check out the car for you. They're your proxy. Go have them check out the car, look it over, give them a list. That's very helpful. Well, I mean, you, you, you're really you're also tapping into something about just you can start to stalk the car on the internet. I mean, you can get the yeah. VIN number. They have to post that. Anybody yep. that doesn't want to give you the VIN number, run away quickly, <laughs> yeah. uh, lose their number. But get the VIN number. You can car fax it. You can get all this kind of stuff that has got to be reported. That's public knowledge. You can get it. You may have to pay a little bit for it, but you can get it. And now you can start to understand outside of whatever the owner or whoever is telling you, you can start to get the official information of when the car has been wrecked or not wrecked. I mean, like we were joking about that flat six license plate. Somebody looked up and right. found that car. Right. You know, so you could do that fairly easily once you get that basic info. And then one of the things Paul does and a lot of other people we've heard do as well, you can start to ask for very specific photos. I want to see mm -hmm. this part of the car. I want to see that part of the car. And or cross-reference it with, you can get online, forums, whatever. Look for common problems with the car that you're shopping and then ask the owner about that. You know, if you were doing, if you were doing right. the, the, you know, the 911s of the early 2000s, you could start asking questions about the IMS bearing, for example. Mm -hmm. okay? But if you know about a car's issue, you certainly can be asking specific questions about that issue. You'll find out about the owner's level of knowledge on the car. And then if it is a common problem, have they dealt with it? What's been their problem experience with it? All of that stuff can start to inform you about the car's reality as well. Yes, yes, correct. So um, anyway, yeah, hopefully that's helpful to all of you. It's uh, definitely a possibility, even with you know the higher-end cars, especially Porsches. It's possible. I've proven it's possible, but you do have to do your, your due diligence, as we, we always say. So go through that, and uh, hopefully you have a great buying experience too, and it's just an excuse to go fly somewhere and drive your new baby home. So hopefully that's helpful. Agreed. And I, you know, I feel like this exists somewhere, and I'm just forgetting the name. It either exists or I've heard that somebody was doing a startup on it. And if they aren't, someone will do a startup after this, and I will lose a fortune. But I felt like <laughs> I heard about somebody that was setting up remote inspections for just this kind of thing. I, I, it's not a great example, but but almost as if you were doing an Uber or an Airbnb kind of get online, create a transaction, and there's somebody in various large cities around the nation, and they go there and the car inspector, and they go do it for you, and they give you back an inspection report like you would for a house. Hmm. So you can't get there, but there's somebody that does that. I swear, and of course I'm sitting here Googling, and I can't seem to find it again, but I swear I heard about that service existing. If it doesn't exist and somebody in Silicon Valley is, is listening right now, they're probably trying to figure out how to get VC money and create it. <laughs> so please give me a cut, and I will promptly put it back into the show. But anyway, exactly. so there that is <laughs> we're giving you gold here people gold i tell you no that's uh that's a great idea it's yeah 50 bucks hey would you go check out this car and yeah i'm i'm sure something somebody's thought of that but maybe not you could be sitting on a gold mine who knows well yeah mm -hmm. all right so hopefully that's helpful we will jump to another thought that we had before we jump into the car debates and that is people asking for the best sources for automotive information and that can mm, sure, be a variety yeah. of thing. I mean, there's of course stuff all across the internet, but there are too a few go uh, a few go to places that Todd and I use. Uh, of course, Autoblog, Car Scoops, Motor Authority, 
Automotive News in the U.S. and Automotive News Europe is our, our – both mm -hmm. of those are also great places. And I, I suggest these places because they're constantly updating. I mean every 20 yeah, seconds yeah, they yeah. have seemingly 20 minutes, something half hour new. at the most, yeah. And yeah, it can yeah. be it can be related to that, or it can be the latest video of some Russian dash cam incident, or a high speed chase, or you know something loosely related. But generally speaking, all the all those outlets, as we do too, get the press releases from manufacturers and repost them immediately. So we'll have the press mm -hmm. releases come into our inbox, but it doesn't really it doesn't really help us to start posting that kind of stuff because you're going to get it from everywhere else. So they'll pull up the press releases, publish the manufacturer photos, and say, hey, the new Aston Martin, blah, is here, and whatever. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, in a lot of cases, they'll be at car shows around the world. They'll be posting you know, or live streaming from car shows. So a lot of good places. But I will say, I want to hear your thoughts too, Todd, but I will say if people have a really great source for news that we're missing or that you use, yeah, let us know. We'll share it on, uh, on the podcast as well. I'd be curious. There's always yeah. good places. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of them, and it's kind of what's the stuff that strikes you. And a lot of them, let's be honest, a lot of them uh, kind of steal from each other and or decide to cover the same thing because they are stuck in a constant news cycle. And, yeah, every 15, 20 minutes they're expected to post something. So a lot of those will have overlap. It's kind of who do you prefer. And if you look, you know, at the big story that is on Autoblog, like, I'm not saying every story, but, like, the big car story of the day will be on Autoblog and Car Scoops and Jalopnik, and all of them mm -hmm. will cover it right about the same time. So you kind of can't miss that stuff, whatever your site of choice is. And I feel like the the question is, what is the style that you want of release? And, you know, Car Scoops and Autoblog have got slightly different styles. And then, of course, Jalopnik has got its own style. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to figure out what's the one that fits you. I mean, there's even, you know, you've got uh, uh, enthusiast forums like Car Throttle now is enormous. And that covers a lot of the news, but also gets a lot of extra discussion going. So it's kind of how you want to interact with the news, too, I also feel is a little bit of the discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just kind of personal preference. So anyway, let us know if uh, we're missing something or you have a great site. Uh, yeah, write to us uh, on the on the um, the website, everydaydriver.com, or our email as well. So please write in to us about that. And before we jump in real quick, we posted the Audi comparison piece. I was joking with Todd that, that the, yeah. uh, the look of the piece, well, we shot it in January, and here we are podcasting in the summer, <laughs> releasing a piece in the winter, I thought, Huh, well, that's weird. But you know what? We've been when we started the show in California, we were releasing mm -hmm. bright sunny pieces shot in 80 yeah. degree weather in yeah, February. Absolutely. When it's snowing in Chicago or wherever else. Well, so. we used to get we used to get those comments all the time. We'd post a piece in January that was a bright sunny day and we're wearing t-shirts outside and talking about cars <laughs> casually. Yeah. And somebody's like, "Great. I'm writing to you from Michigan right now and I hate you guys." So this is the <laughs> yeah, other exactly. end of the spectrum. Here you are. It's just broken into summer for real in Utah, and we wanted to give you a snowy piece. And that actually just came out of kind of reality. We had uh, things like the Model X and the GT350 and things that were very news current. Once we drove those, we felt like we should get those pieces out first. And so that Audi piece, because it wasn't really time sensitive, was just when can we release it? And it worked out for this week, so I hope you've enjoyed that. It was interesting to get into both those cars. I'd wanted to drive an RS4 forever, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, check, out, check the piece out. I love it, you know, people watching our pieces that are sunny, they're going, hey, it's snowing here. How come, why, why are you guys doing that? So anyway, it's the opposite yeah. this time around, <laughs> and I uh, hope you enjoy it. So let us know. Please leave a comment on that. And finally, here we go. We can jump to the car debate. The first one here is why as— Why do we do that? Yes. As I said, we really love and appreciate all, the, all of our service men and women in the U.S. military and James— is a machinist on a U.S. Navy submarine. All we can tell you is he's from Seattle. He doesn't even tell us his last name, which is just fine. But uh, yeah. he has got quite a story here and listens to the podcast. So, James, hello. Thank you for writing in. We really appreciate it. He's got a commute, I'm guessing, to the naval base and just outside of Seattle. He is starting the hunt for his very first fun car. So we are yep. excited to share I'm this with you. Glad to be you. with you. Yes, yes, yes. He's had a good line of cars. I mean, he's had an Acura. He's had a Dodge Magnum. 
a Nissan Maxima. Listen to this range, a BMW 750i, and he currently is leasing a Nissan Leaf. I almost just want to park all those cars next to each other and just walk around them and be like, this is, <laughs> this is somebody's actually life story in cars right here. It's a fascinating group. So his lease is coming up on the Leaf, and you probably got a great deal on that Leaf, honestly. So uh, I don't blame you there. I know a few people that got unbelievable deals on those as commute cars, so I get that. You've got 40, 40 to 45 to spend, maybe 50 if we push you. And guess what? We'll probably push you, but uh, you're looking oh, yeah. for something that is genuinely fun, but you acknowledge you have to have back seats of some sort because you have two kids, age three and age nine. So you've got to have some real back seats, and you would really like to have a manual. You've never had a manual transmission car. Apparently the bug has struck you, and you're looking for something that solves that. You call out here. You'd love to have a 370Z, but if you're following along, that doesn't work because it has no back seats. So you're looking at Camaro SS and Challenger and Audi S5 and Subaru STI, and I thought of none of those. Okay, good, good. Uh, good news, everybody. <laughs> no Porsches have been suggested or will be suggested by moi. So uh, <laughs> you're growing or those people that were looking to get drunk during this podcast are now staggeringly disappointed. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I'm suggesting no Porsches at all on this podcast. So good news. everybody. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite amazed. OK. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to stay sober. No. Um, the big highlights that I'm hearing, James, uh, here in your email to us are manual transmission, <coughs> the back seats that you want for the kids. And you're also writing about some V8 rumble. You want some V8-ness, V8 goodness mm -hmm, in your life mm -hmm. here. And this is a good recipe. I, I started out here with the lease thoughts, and then I moved all the way. As I said, I've got this super wild card that I want to share with you. But uh, okay. I started out with the 2016 Audi S3 or S4. Now, hmm. both of those start 43 and 49,000 respectively. But then I thought, yeah. oh, well, the 2017 A4, so the B9 chassis, is also out. Those are not in the – that is not in the S4 configuration quite yet as of this, uh, as of this podcast. But I, we, both Todd and I have been hearing good things about that brand-new A4. Thought, mm -hmm. all right, if you want to lease it, you know, could be a good option. Like I said, we've not driven that car yet. But hearing great things, they've really paid attention to customer feedback and really changed a lot of the dynamics on that car. I thought also timely since we released our Audi piece. However, sure. uh, moving on from there, I thought you've described the E92 sedan. You've described the M3, the E92 M3, mm. with four doors, the four manual door, transmission. The E90, sure, with the four doors, sure. Okay. And a yeah. luscious V8. I mean, you can't yeah. ignore that. And he's had BMWs before. That's a great point. Yeah, I, you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. That would check all these boxes. I mean... And and the V8 as well. Yeah, that that's a that's a great one actually. I mean, he's got the budget for it, and enthusiastauto.com mm -hmm. has your car somewhere <laughs> in there. Of course they do. I'm sure they of will be they your do. Huckleberry, James. Yeah, they will. Yeah, uh, that four door would be great. That would be a great one. Yeah, they will. They would love to uh, to help you out. They will. They will do that. Uh, what else? Uh, 2016 Chevy SS because that car is pretty Thank much you. going away. And mm -hmm. then I've mentioned this on another podcast. The GMMilitaryDiscount.com for active duty veterans and retired U.S. military personnel. I'm wondering if you could go get yourself a brand new Chevy SS using that military discount, James. I'm just. I'm, I'm certain. I mean, you have you have walked right into my number one recommendation. Really? Because once he starts talking about back seats and but V8 rumble and that kind of stuff, but he'd like a manual. I just thought, wait a minute. You have got to at least, at least, James, go find somebody that will let you drive a Chevy SS with the manual. Magnetic ride control, I mean, that is a great family car, tons of room. It's a full-size sedan. And then when you chuck it down a back road, it will shock you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it really is, I mean, there were some discussions originally when it was first released about, is this the four-door Corvette? I don't know, but that's not out. That's not off base to start walking down that road, especially with the six-speed and, and the magnetic ride. I mean, it is. It's like a four-door chassis version of the Camaro. I mean, it really is that kind of world. It's not mind-blowing power, but it's not bad power either. And it and it is just so dynamic. That is my number one choice for you. I like it better than the Camaro, which. <clears throat> He's going to be tight in the back and obviously has visibility issues. Even though the new, new one, everything we've heard about it is great. The Challenger is not agile enough. Your Audi S5 you brought up is interesting, but I don't think it's going to have the personality that you might want. 
Super STI is interesting, but uh, I like that SS for you a lot. I have one other one, but I like that SS a lot. Cool. Well, uh, I, yeah, I want to hear your your last choice there. But uh, I was thinking, well, Ford doesn't have anything that fits this this bill. Manual transmission V8. Nor does mm-hmm. FCA. But then I thought, wait, FCA does. And this is my super duper now with extra duper wildcardness. Okay. It's, it's the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio. Yeah. This car is not available quite yet as of right now. But, but what's I've, that going to cost, though? Well, it could be. There's a couple problems with it. It could be way past the budget, and I yeah, it it it's not the V8, so it might not really fit the bill. But what an exquisite, interesting, different, unique choice. Mm-hmm. V, yeah, V6, yeah. 505 horsepower. I was thinking they were around 53, but they do have the six-speed manual, and it could be true something true. brilliant. It really could be. I mean, you're on deployment for six months out of the year. You'd have pictures plastered all over the submarine on the inside. Everybody would be like, yes, James, we know you want to get home to your car. We realize this. Your photos are your wife, your kids, and your car. That There you go. That's, yeah. that's all that James talks about, one of those three things. That, that's a great point. Well, and I'm, I'm also curious about the lesser versions of that. I mean, that big M3 killer, I'll be shocked, honestly, if it drops on these shores for less than 60. But I like the car, and I think in any, in any scenario it would be an intriguing alternative. I, I see why you went there. I do. I and mean, it's a good wild card for sure. It's out there. It's out there. However, could be, you know, you might want to just at least entertain the thought. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. get yourself Chevy SS. All right. (laughs) Well, I have a wild card as well. Okay. And, and again, I I keep standing on the Chevy SS. And we recommend it a lot because, honestly, it is underbought. That is one of those cars that is fantastic and nobody buys it. And it kind of makes me sad. I wish I was in the market for that car because I would buy one. They're awesome. But here was my wild card. And it's a wild card because it's not a V8. Hmm. But... What what it's clear to me is you want a car that just it's just fun. That is its number one thing it's telling you is that it's fun. But you want to be able to run the, to run the kids around. And I just thought, wait a minute, forty to forty five, go get yourself a brand new last. We really are serious this time with extra sayonara Mitsubishi Evo X. <laughs> Seriously, because that car that car is right in the awesome. sweet spot of the budget. I mean, you brought up the STI, and, and, and we're fans of the STI. We genuinely are. But the Evo is it's, it's another one of those cars. It's kind of like the SS in that people just didn't really buy them because they don't know really what they are as much as they should. And it really is going away, which is too bad. You could get an MR for this money. Now, the MR is going to have the six-speed paddle shift. I would consider in that car maybe even going that way. But if you do want to get the manual, what you could do is get the five-speed manual, and take the big wing off and put the small little fin on the back of the trunk that looks like the MR. And then it looks like less of a boy racer. And it actually looks great like that. I have to say, I prefer it without that big wing. And so the people that don't know, it's just a little kind of interesting sedan you picture girls up in. But yeah. as soon as that thing comes on boost, it's a riot. It's an absolute riot. You will lose the, the rear-wheel drive uh, craziness of some of the others we've talked about. But I think you would love driving that Evo. Hmm. Yeah, it's like the Lexify Canon. You've pointed it at the Evo and come up with the MR. Blam! MR! There you go. <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> and, and honestly, that is a car. As much as you want a manual, and, and as huge proponents as we are as a manual, the MR with that dual clutch is a surprisingly good gearbox. Um, so I wouldn't shy away from that car if you went up that route. But again, you can get it in a manual, and the manual's great. And so you get the GSR, you put a different wing on it, and I actually think... It's a little more interesting than the STI. It's definitely more unique than the STI. Um, so I, I think that's my absolute wild card for you, for sure. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. I like these. All right, James, you've got some interesting suggestions here. So please let us know. Good luck on your deployments. And, uh, yeah, we wish you much luck and success. If you luxify a pet, I've been pondering this as we've been talking. Stop. Stop. Does that this is mean... the drinking game of this podcast. How many times can we say that new word? I mean, does that turn your dog into the little dog accessory that rich Beverly Hills women rock around with in their purses? Exactly. You, 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 have, you, have, your, you have your great Dane napping on the floor of your kitchen. <laughs> right. And you lexify it, and now it's a little, it's a little dog accessory poodle dog that fits in a purse. With, it's exactly what happens. With little jewelry, and, and it's, and it's gold wearing, jewelry. And, and it's know. wearing a jacket. It's exactly right. Yes. It's wearing a jacket that costs more than most of the clothes in my closet. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, um, there we go. Yeah. I mean, 
yeah, we should, this. we should try to move on. So Tom wrote to us. I'm desperately trying to get a car debate going. <laughs> I know Tom, you are. <laughs> Tom wrote to us from uh, from Pittsburgh, and uh, he's 28, and he's had a Honda Fit for a while, and it is getting somewhat beat on by apparently the terrible roads in the area. has about 100,000 miles on it, and he's realizing, okay, I'm done with car as appliance. Let's get a car that's fun. Hey, obviously, we, this is what we're preaching, so we're glad to have you with us. So we're thrilled about that. But you do acknowledge that you have a small budget. You're going to sell this fit, scrabble some money together. You've maybe got ten grand, and you want some fun, and you want a manual transmission, and it has to be able to be beat up on bad roads and survive nasty weather. Wow, you have narrowed the list. Yeah, this is hard. I chose this because I thought, wow, this is going to be tough. And, Tom, I took the time to look up your car on Kelly Blue Book to, to find out the value. And I plugged this in, and at the sort of the middle setting, it came up with about $5,000 value if you were to sell that Honda Fit Sport to a private party. So that's, mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's about the max you can get. As you said, add a, a little bit more to that, come up with ten grand to go get yourself a fun car. This is, this is difficult. I see where you're coming from. It's hard. It's hard, yeah. So my first thought, I thought, all right, what, what could you do? Ten grand... Of course, the AP1 Honda S2000 pops in my head. But then I thought, well, you know, rough winters, even though Todd has proven he can do it with the FRS, with the right tires, yeah. winter tires, yeah. and get around. But it's going to be hard to find an unmolested AP1 for that price that hasn't been abused or tracked or something done to it that's going to uglify it, delexify it, whatever. And <laughs> see? Stop it. Good at this. I'm good at this. I'm frightened. Anyway. <laughs> um I thought, well, interesting, maybe. It's it's sort of the obvious glaring thing when you're, you know, got the budget and you want a fun car. But I moved on from there, and something to consider is somebody's tuned car. Now that I've suggested mm -hmm. tuned cars okay. and kind of, you know, said no, what about a tuned car <laughs> that somebody has put a lot of money into that they're not going to get the value out of? We've talked about, yeah, don't, you know, hmm. put too much. Being on the other side of the equation, and, yeah. And, and expect that back out. Well, I came up with this 2007 Honda Civic EX Coupe. Now, this person has put, uh, it's a black coupe with gold aftermarket wheels. Now, listen, 89,000 miles for $10,000. So it's right at the okay. price point. It's okay. been supercharged by Kraftwerk's 216 horsepower to the front wheels, upgraded clutch, camshaft, coilovers, ECU flash, fuel injectors, <laughs> and a $1,500 sound system. I'm picturing Tom. I mean, you're right. That person is going to be lucky to get ten grand for that car, and right. probably have got more than twice that in it. And it is a way to buy a steal. I'm just imagining Tom thundering <laughs> himself over potholes in Pittsburgh in his Civic Si while it bounces its way down the street <laughs> thanks to the sound system. Which yeah, is, I, I, I don't know that I could go with you on that. But, which is, uh, but the I, I see other how you got there. Example. You're right. It's I see a. How you got there. It's a, a, a buy somebody else's baby that they love, they took great care of, and they put all this money into and a way to get, you know, a tuned car, and then you don't have to do anything to it. So, okay, sure. but that's an extreme example. Yes, that will bottom out on the first pothole if you <laughs> even, yeah, anyway. Um, so moved on from there. But to do that, I had to try to work on your budget. And we joke, we joke, <laughs> we joke. But so, Todd, what you need here, according to Paul, is just more money. I mean, that's really that's, that's the answer. <laughs> but Thanks just a little bit. Yeah, just go a, on. Sorry. Just a tiny go bit. Go on. Go on. I've suggested this car before, 2013 okay. Hyundai Genesis Coupe 2.0, and found many of them between 12 and 14. So still not too bad. Not too bad at all. And then that led me to a 2010 Honda Civic Si. This was a four-door, gorgeous condition, 63,000 miles for only 12K. So just just a tiny tiny bit more money, and you can actually really get something that's that's going to be kind of fun, very mm. fun, and, and kind of nice, and still meet all these other requirements. And then I thought I had this idea. Uh -oh. I thought, could you? Could you? I plugged in some numbers. My my first try was unsuccessful, but my second try, okay. I came up with a 2014 Ford Fiesta ST for. Thirteen nine nine seven, only fifty four thousand miles, and it's living right now at Texas Nissan of Grapevine. I say go get that car. I bet you you can you get it for thirteen five. You found a used five. ST 
Yeah. For 13 grand? For it's it's 14 right now, but I bet you they'd let it go. They're a dealership, so they marked it up a little bit more. Yeah. I bet you you go walk in with 135, only 54,000 miles. It looks very clean. What, Holy what happened? Why is that car that cheap? I, I don't agree. know. That's an unbelievable find. I don't the know. The ST would be nuts. It would be nuts. That imagine imagine your Honda Fit. It, okay. If your Honda Fit is a <laughs> normally vaguely athletic I go to the gym once a day person. Take that same package and make it a decathlete. That's the, that's the Fiesta ST. That's the shift right there. Yep. That's a cool – I'm amazed you found one for that cheap. You're right. You're out of his budget, but it's interesting. I'm out. I have – But, yeah. Anyway. But, it, but, but you wound up somewhere cool. That's a really fascinating place to do kind of like the nationwide hunt like we were talking about before, Tom. I like that. I have three uh, that I want to mention for different reasons. All of them you could get for the budget. One is you talked about how your fit is actually a little low for some of the potholes because it has an extra sport model body kit on it. So I, that says to me that you have a car that has probably a little bit lower ground clearance than it should, which I feel like opens up your world a lot. So I am going to say to you, if you're looking for fun, just flat-out fun and affordable than that, I'm sorry, I have to say it. The answer could be Miata. You could mm-hmm. go buy a Miata, get yourself some winter tires, and... I don't know with ten grand if you could get one of the hard tops. You might, depending upon how you shop, you might find a uh, retractable hard top for ten to twelve. Again, I'm on the upper level of your budget too, but that's a thought. It's definitely going to be fun. It would be reliable. I think it. The ground clearance on those. I know they're tiny cars, but they're not low cars. That's the thing about it. It's not like it's some terrible scrape itself on everything car. That's why I think that's worthwhile. I will also say to you if you want to go with some power with your fun. What about a Pontiac GTO from the early 2000s? Oh, I like Ten grand that. in your pocket? You can get that all day long. You could get a six-speed, 400 horsepower. Now, I will acknowledge, 400 horsepower in the winter. Get yourself some winter tires and be careful. <laughs> but, right. but that is a car that is it's, it's going to feel like a luxury automobile compared to your fit. Good amount of room. They've got good balance. Six-speed, you know, big LS motor in it, 400 horsepower, Ten grand, you can go, go take your pick. You can get that car. And it's a Chevy. It's just going to run, okay? So I think that's a worthwhile thought. And then I also thought of this one. I think you can't ignore it. You can't get a decent WRX for this money, but you can get a Saab 92X. A oh. WRX in a Saab suit with ten grand. You're going to have to shop because most of the ones you're going to find that are for sale that are in your budget are probably going to be automatics. Don't get the automatic in that car. It's terrible. But if you can get yourself the five-speed manual... Shop a little bit. Look for a 92X. If you're thinking about a WRX at all, that's your answer is the 92X. They sold them in uh, 05 and 06, and that's uh, definitely in your budget. There's your all-wheel drive. Would take anything, including potholes car. Those are my three for you, Tom. Good for you. You stayed in the budget. I couldn't do that. I lexified I, his I budget. Tried. I mean, I, <laughs> you did. You lexified his budget and still didn't wind up with a Porsche. Yeah. Now, if I can figure out a way to talk about our proclivities, the people that are drinking are now dead. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. There it is. Nice. Good there one. It is. I like the GTO. I mean, that's a handful, baby, but but yeah, that, that but it's could not, be a lot of fun. But it's not a crazy car. It's not like you went and bought a Hellcat. I mean, you went from a Honda Fit to a rear-wheel drive GTO with 400 horsepower. That is a massive jump, but it's not like I said, go buy something that will kill you. It's not that. Right. It's just going to be a powerful rear-wheel drive car. But it's not an it's not an overpowered rear wheel drive car. It's not one of those cars that has more power than it probably should have in its normal package. A GTO mm-hmm. is in a decent sweet spot. I think it's worth looking at. Tom, I'm wondering if you could shop around Florida since it's near to you. I have a friend who did just that. He bought an O three GTO. Wait, how is Florida near to him? Explain to me the geography that made that happen. To what? Pennsylvania? I mean, well, kind of. I mean, nearer than Utah, I guess. But, you know, you could drive. Vaguely. Well, yeah, you could drive to Florida from here. I, when I think near Florida, I don't think Pennsylvania. I, but, okay, I mean, go on. Sorry. Near and, you know, not like, you know, a nine iron near, but, you know, just in the <laughs> general near ish. You could drive across Europe before you could do that drive. <laughs> well, anyway, go so. on. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, this friend, he he bought a GTO, 03, and he got it from a guy in Florida who had just kind of puttered around, so it was in perfect shape. It was a warm-weather car. Uh, I guess you mm-hmm. do have the salt issue, but it was, I think, central Florida, somewhere in there. And uh, he found this gem. It was perfect shape, fifty or 60,000 miles. And, uh, yeah, that was ten grand. so that made me think of that car. Anyway, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe, yeah, I guess not. It's not quite super near, but... 
you know, <laughs> it's not. Road trip to Florida. Yeah, anyway, okay. <laughs> Could be fun. Drive it back. I don't, well, anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, should we do some Facebook questions before we hurt ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. I, I would love to start off with a question that Raul Cruz, one of our longtime patrons and fans, thank you for writing. He added this uh, just after we podcasted the last time on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to touch on this. The new Fiat 124. I am seeing more and more of this car. Not driven it. I'm curious to know what really the changes are to be felt dynamically, if much. Mm-hmm. But I've always felt like the current MX-5, the new ND MX-5, looks like a champion boxer that's been punched in both eyes. You know how they swell up and they're squinty eyes and just... <laughs> Yikes. Not... I see I see how you got there. Yeah. Okay. And the 124, I kind of like those open. headlights, but they really bug you. I get it. I do. I do. It's very just, squinty. Just bug me. They're too small and they... Yeah, they're like two black eyes on that car. And so the 124 has a little bit bigger features. Maybe that's it. Obviously, the interior is exactly alike. Maybe it's mm-hmm. more styling. Maybe it's a perception. Maybe it's a market. Um, it could be, yeah, just badge engineering. But I'm just, I'm attracted to that car more because of the styling. I mean, here I am pounding on styling over here. But I, I think it just fits the small shape of it better. And I'm more, more intrigued when I see that car over the same one, the MX-5. So I kind of like it. I'd love to drive it. Obviously, we've done the four generations of the MX-5 Miata. Check that out if you haven't seen it. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to drive it as a standalone and go, huh, so this is what they've done. Um, That's my my personal take. What about you? Yeah, I'd, I'd... Obviously, we've only seen it once. We saw it up on the dais at the LA Auto Show. I've yeah. seen photos since then. Yep. I can't I can't get into the styling. I can't get there. I, I don't like the look of it. And I feel like it's one of those missed opportunities where they should have done more to give it some sort of... I mean, honestly, what I wish... I wish the Fiat was an Alpha. I would have liked to have seen what Alpha would have done, mm-hmm. taking sure. the, the MX-5 idea and building their own car in it and, and put that as the lower sports car below the 4C. Where is that car? That's the one I really want. But, I mean, imagine that three-car lineup, the Alpha version of the Miata, the 4C, and the Julia. Let's let's go to the Alpha dealer. I mean, that's what that is. But anyway, <laughs> so I can't I can't get into that one, uh, 124 styling. Of course, they're supposed they're talking about turbo engine, and it's supposed to have different sus, uh, suspension settings. I'd like to put it with a Miata. I'd love to take the club model. I'd love to put it with the, Ooh, the 124 yeah. Yeah. because supposedly the 124 is supposed to have a little bit uh, different suspension setup, and it would be interesting to do those two. But I, yeah, right now I actually like the ND styling more than you do. I think. Yeah, it'd definitely. be interesting to see it actually with the 124 and rolling. Uh, I'm also thinking that car is just going to be at the wrong price point, but we'll be we'll remain to see that as well. Possibly, if we're an alpha, they might uh, folks might accept it more at a higher price point. You're right. Yeah, but I just think if you can buy a Miata, at, let's just say you buy your Miata at 30 grand. I, I'll be surprised if that Fiat you can really get one below 35 or 40. Yeah. I bet you. And at that point, I'm gonna think. Why didn't you buy the Miata? But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. see. All right. All right. What else have you got over there? Uh, well, uh, Richard Durham wrote last time, and he actually repeated it this time. Thanks for coming back with us. He's been with us for a while as well. He asked uh, about left foot braking in an auto. Do we agree, disagree? Do we like it? First off, let me clarify. What we're talking about is when you're in an automatic transmission car, obviously you don't have a third pedal to worry about. Now, most of us were taught single foot for both brake and uh, and acceleration. That's your right foot doing both. If you're in a small car that's not, or it could be a big car that's automatic, you can left foot brake. You've still got your right foot on the gas, and with the left foot, you're touching the brake pedal. I'm all for this. There are a lot of people that do it as a technique to get, make cars that don't want to rotate, make them rotate anyway. Uh, I will say this. I'm terrible at this. I, I think the concept's great if you're good at it. It's a difficult thing to practice because I personally, my left foot is pre-programmed to be a clutch foot. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. pretty much have owned manuals, and I, I concentrate on my heel toe a lot. So I realize I don't have the right sensitivity most of the time to use that left foot that's used to being in clutch duty, and it's good at that, to use it to modulate brake pressure well. I do this now and then. I've played with it some. I haven't played with it enough to feel like I'm good at it. I've gotten it right a few times. But <laughs> what, it, what it's about is rotation. It's about forcing a car to rotate when it doesn't really want to. You get it down over the front brakes, and it, it helps it rotate. I think the concept is great. I my my con, my overall comment would be get better at heel toe and worry less about left foot braking. But 
again, if you have an auto, heel toes are relevant. So there's my short version. Yeah, Richard, uh, Todd and I had a conversation during our Mustang Performance School recently out at Utah Motorsports Campus. This was with Donnie, one of the instructors. Now, he's a very experienced pro hot shoe. And we were talking with him about left foot braking on a manual transmission. He said, oh, yeah, every absolutely, all day long. So you can imagine how mm -hmm. busy he gets yeah, yeah. doing something like that. Now, with an auto, I am mixed feelings. As Todd said, you can really make the car do something different. Um, you know, you're, you're forcing it to do that. In general, you know, do you need to? I mean, let's talk about PDK. I mean, you don't really need to in that sense because – you know, or any double clutch, you you don't need to. It's really just good for, I suppose, reaction time. Say off the line, you know, you're just barely holding the brake left foot, and you know, then you're gone. But other than that, unless you're you know at a pro level, I don't know that you really need to. So I, I've got mixed feelings yeah. on this. Um, but uh, you, yeah, you bring up a great you bring up a great point. Is it necessary? I would say for ninety nine point five percent of the population, you'll never have a situation where it's going to benefit you at all. Whereas I would say most anybody that drives a manual would benefit from learning how to heel toe. Mm -hmm. Left foot braking, I, I don't know that short of a track situation you're going to use it. And you're right, that guy Donnie that was talking with us about it, he can drive. He's a oh, major yeah. driver, professional yeah. driver. And what he's talking about is the ability to keep your, which this is true across the board, auto or otherwise, ability to keep his foot on the gas but just be feathering that brake pedal a little bit to get the the uh, balance of the car to shift around like he needs it to. It's an extra little rudder, if you will, right. for what the car is doing. Right. But he's operating at a very high level to do that. When is the person in the random hatchback going to need that capability? Probably never. Doesn't mean it's not cool, though. I mean, for track driving, yes. Canyon roads, not necessary. So... Yeah. Um, unless you own a Prius, and that's how you make it fast. You just the <laughs> throttle is always floored, well, and you modulate. This your speed is what with you do. This is what you do with rental cars. You just pretty much leave the rental office with the with the accelerator to the floor, and all you do is just <laughs> leave it there and just modulate with the brake. That's the time I've seen you left foot brake all of the time. The murder of the rental car. <laughs> just yeah, grind that thing into the earth. Mm -hmm. That's what rental cars are really for. So um, exactly, that's their purpose in life. <laughs> We awesome. also had uh, Randy wrote to us, and he asked about uh, what the heck is the problem with car manufacturers and their, their touch interfaces or their electronic interfaces, be it iDrive, be it uh, Uconnect for FCA, whatever you want to talk about. His comment is they're out of date in five minutes, and nobody seems to update them. What the heck's the answer? I'm going to say two things you've brought up here, Randy. Wouldn't it be cool if they updated them over the air? Yes, and Tesla is proving that that works, and I think – Eventually, other manufacturers are going to get there, whether it's an electric car or not. Some of your software is going to get updated that way. That helps. But I really think that it's a Pandora's box for car makers mm -hmm. because especially when we're all carrying a phone in our pocket that does more, better, that we're more used to than whatever the car interface system is, yeah, I feel true. like the answer for car makers is to allow us to plug – uh, plug our phones, and I realize this exists, I'm just saying I'm encouraging it, plug your phone into the interface of the car. Now, the interface of the car is a duplicate of your phone with, you know, driving allowed things like the Apple CarPlay. I think that's the answer because it, it keeps the car makers from having to worry about it, and it gives us the latest tech. Randy, keep in mind that a lot of manufacturers are sourcing these units from a third party. For example, for a long time, BMW has sourced everything from Alpine, familiar with Alpine Electronics. Mm, so they're sure. they're getting them to build the OEM head units, and you know they're they're of course wanting them to push the technology, but they've got to syndicate this across thousands of models, you know, or, mm -hmm, or you mm -hmm. know maybe tens of models, but thousands of cars worldwide in different markets, and it's expensive yeah, to update yeah. these things. I, I agree. I would love to see them keep pace with technology, but car manufacturers are never going to be phone manufacturers, to Todd's point. They're never yeah. going to be in yeah. that tech world. There's now, no way. They can't update that quickly. That's changing, but that's by virtue of partnerships. For example, Jason mm. Connor, our friend over at Hooniverse, just sent us the Monroney for the new Camaro convertible and splashed all over that Monroney. Chevy wants you <laughs> to know they have yeah. a collaboration with Apple. It's Apple interface mm -hmm. this. And by the way, did we tell you about the Apple interface? And that's just on the Monroe. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're I right. can't imagine what the owner's manual will say. 
So well, good. I can't imagine what the salesman would say. It'd be oh. a twenty-minute hack oh. through all of the Apple features before he started telling me about the dang car. <laughs> You're like, I know, seriously, I know. Just give me the keys. I know, I have a phone. Give me the keys. I know. Just <laughs> I understand how phones work. How does the car drive? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think by by partnerships, we're going to see that more regularly. But in the past, the problems that used cars are saddled with that O one mm-hmm. to O three BMW M five being a great example. It had this. Good-looking nav system, but I'm sure it's just clunky and outdated by our own standards now. So, well, yeah, okay, you're going to want to rip it out and put a you know third-party something in there. But well, we've talked about this before. The yeah, we talked about this before. The uh, the interesting thing I think about used cars before the year 2000 is that you find a lot of used cars there that they don't have nav systems at all. And so I feel like they don't feel quite as old as a 6- or 10-year-old car with a nav system. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a 20-year-old right. car that you get in it because it doesn't have, it's not attempting to have, if you will, that old computer in the center console. It doesn't even try to do that. It's just a car without that. I don't feel think like that. You get the laugh factor that you do when you get in a 10-year-old car and go, look at this nav screen. It's like an Atari. You know? I mean, it, <laughs> right. the problem with taking cars and linking them to technology is that now we are shockingly aware of how they date like a computer and like a phone, which is why I say avoid the whole thing, let people plug their phones in, and on we go. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, what else do we have here? Sean Clark asked us, do we have any plans for guests on the podcast or videos? Sean, for podcast, I will say yes. We need to invite Dan Roth back from Autoblog. We owe him an invite Absolutely. back on our yep. podcast. Definitely. I will say to you and to all of you listening, who would you like us to have on? Who intrigues you mm. that you'd like us to talk yeah, that's with? Good. And maybe join us for a car debate. All three of us would debate yeah. somebody's email and say, you know, give our own suggestions. For videos, we're working on that. But for podcast, yes, I will say yes, but forthcoming and kind of putting it putting it back on you. If you had somebody in mind, because I, I I'm kind of wondering in your wording here, I'm kind of wondering if you already had somebody in mind. So that's why yeah, I he ask. might. He that's might. Fine. Yeah, we're 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 also discussing. We haven't mentioned it to him yet, but we were thinking we probably should try to have Sean Young from Laps Incorporated on to explain a little more about what they do and to prep you guys <laughs> a little more for the Chicago track day. Yeah, so Sean, if you're listening, <laughs> hey, give us a call. No, seriously, we need we need to reach out to him anyway and ask that. But it was just dawning on us literally the last couple of days. Hey, we ought to have Sean on because he'd just be a cool guy to introduce you guys to, and we could talk more about that track day. Plus, as Paul's saying, guests are intended to be talking through the car debate with us, and uh, we're, we definitely want to do that. One of the difficulties and I will fully admit this, one of the difficulties for us is that these podcasts, which we love doing, we kind of fit in and around other things, and sometimes the schedule changes at the last minute. That's made us a little gun-shy on guests, but that's really kind of a poor excuse. So uh, (laughs) we will work harder on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So hopefully that answers the question. And, uh, man, there's a lot of good questions on here. We're going to have to get to some more of these in the next podcast, I think. But uh, what else do you have over there? Curious. Uh, Well, Jake had a question. Let me see if I can answer this quickly. You're a Mazda Speed 3 owner, Jake, and you said you've got a 2007 Mazda Speed 3. You've done a lot of updates to it, uh, you know, Coney shocks and motor mounts, short shifter, etc. You're looking at a Fiesta ST and wondering about that switch. Well, first off, look, you've tuned your Mazda Speed 3, so I, you know, I haven't driven your car, so I can't say how your car is going to feel to the Fiesta. But I would say in general, the, the interesting thing about the Fiesta ST is its lack of torque steer certainly compared to the world you're used to. Mm-hmm. It, it has less torque steer than its older brother, the, the Focus ST, and its rotation is awesome. So if what you're liking about your Mazda Speed 3 is the way that it corners, then you'd love the Fiesta ST. If what you're liking about it is its sheer power, the Fiesta ST is going to be a step down. But uh, I think it's – I'm not surprised you're looking at that car. You should look at that car as an alternative – it's hard for me to compare your specific car to the ST having not driven it, but I think I don't think you're off in the weeds, if that's what you're asking. I think it's a worthwhile possible jump car because the rotation will shock you, and it is just crazy fun, which is the thing I like about the Mazda Speed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Jake, Texas Nissan of Grapevine has a 2014 Ford Fiesta ST for only 13997 <laughs> 54,000 miles. There it is again. Blue with well gray done. interior. Just saying, somebody better jump on that because, wow. Yeah, seriously. Um, agreed. Seriously. Well, before we wrap with JP's question here, I did want to touch on Lord Tobias asks, if we think Volvo is comparable to all of their European competitors with their current lineup. Mm, mm, yeah. Something Todd is teasing me about is that if I'm not talking about Porsche, it seems like I'm talking about Volvo. 
I'm, well, that was the thing earlier. You you pointed this question out to me, and you said we should do that because we never talk about Volvo. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You <laughs> always with, with there's when there's a window of opportunity to talk Volvo, you do. When it's not Porsche, <laughs> it is Volvo. Which I don't know why. honestly, I will say, I will say though, right now they're doing great work. Their cars, they have just this latest round of cars, starting with the XC90, as they're updating their lineup. They're awesome. I do have to say, I'm super intrigued with the design, how well they're doing. They're they're buttons are jewelry they're they're just they're doing so well and they're such an alternative i mean yes german mm -hmm. cars but they're such an yep. interesting and good alternative in terms of build quality and design absolutely superseding some of their german counterparts and european counterparts yeah. absolutely do they have all the performance models that you know the the big three german automotives do uh, no not necessarily but they do have the polestar performance models that are different and they're going to be doing that to even mm -hmm. the s90 they're going to be doing more yeah so holy moly I, you can't yeah. ignore them over here they're selling cars like crazy and they're very much going after the tech angle the styling is, is gorgeous i have friends that work for volvo they're doing great mm -hmm. tisha she designed the interior for the s90 She's fantastic stuff so I, I think it's comparable, but in different ways, in different categories. They don't need to compete well, but, against the AMGs of the world. They don't. They, they don't, but here's the thing I would say. I mean, I, I feel like almost what he's asking is, is it worth cross-shopping? And I would say absolutely. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the yeah. place they're, they're at now, is that if you're looking at a German thing, what is the Volvo equivalent? It may not, it's not going to beat in every box, but it's going to be superior in some places and not in others. It's absolutely a, a comparable and uh, debatable option, an alternative to shop those German brands. I think that's very true. We've driven very few Volvos on the show. Very few. True. You're right. You're right. I'd be curious about the XC90. We never really do SUVs, but I'm just curious to really have a drive in that car. There, I mean, yeah. only a four-cylinder turbo. That's it. I'm just yep. curious about that thing. It's it's which it's which power flavor would you like your four cylinder turbo? One engine and how many extra pieces can you <laughs> screw to the outside to make it more powerful? I, that's a fascinating way to approach it. Talk about volume creation. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, your low your low one is like here's the four cylinder with a tiny little turbo, and your high one is here's your four cylinder with a monster turbo and a smaller turbo and a supercharger. <laughs> you know, it's 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 exactly. almost like you know brace yourself because how high strung is that engine? Man, oh man. Anyway. Blood from a turnip. The every last drop of power. They're out doing of this it thing. though. It's and, craziness. Yeah. So, so JP writes to us with an interesting conundrum. Uh, he's looking at getting into tracking a car, and he has essentially no track experience. So I'm going to say to you, JP, where are you? Do you want to come to Chicago Track Day? No, but seriously. <laughs> um, I mean, why not? But uh, he's he's asking about, okay, so I have no track experience, but I really, really want to get in there. What should I be buying to start my track experience? And he said, should I go with the obvious and get the $20,000 FRS, BRZ, or Miata? Or should he go with the car he really wants, which apparently you can afford, which is the GT350? Ouch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Those are different ends of the spectrum, and that's a Yeah, they really huge... are. I, you know, honestly, JP, here's the thing. If you get the $20,000 car, you will reach a point where you will outgrow it, yes. But I'm going to submit to you, start there. I, I, I think, because the thing about the GT350 is that, well, we joked about this on our pilgrimage film. I, I just now thought as we were talking about it. We were talking about uh, with Gabriel. You remember riding with Gabe? Gabe is a major hot shoe. In fact, he was high in the class rankings of the finishes of the Nürburgring 24. This boy can drive. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And he was riding with us and talking about the, the GT3 that we were in, the Porsche GT3 we were in. He was comparing it to the Magane. And he was talking about how when either of those cars lose it at the edge, your reactions have to be the same. What the car has just done and how you have to fix it are the same. The problem is the GT3 is going two to three times faster than the Magane when it happens. This is my concern for you, JP. Get a car that you can learn and find the edges of, and then you can sell it and get something bigger. Because if you find the edges because you're not experienced in a car whose edges are that much higher, you're going so much faster, and everything can get so much worse. I'm with you, and especially since we're talking about track, I will say the $20,000 FRS, you might not feel as bad if you have it off, if you have something happen That's to true. it. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about yeah. wheels and tires and then brakes? And you're going to want to you know, start yeah. stock and then tires. I mean, you're going to start going yeah. through tires if you're going to do track days. Imagine tires on a GT350. That thing is going to chew yeah. through tires. 
it's designed to handle it. It'll handle the track, no problem. Of course. It's, yeah. it's designed yeah, yeah. for everything you can throw at it. But just in terms of maintenance and, you know, what tracks do to a car, it's, it's mm-hmm. far harder on a car. Lots of cars are designed to take it, but I'm just saying – Leave yourself a little breathing room so you can, you know, invest in some tires. And then you think, you know what? I'd like a better set of front brakes. Fine, great, do that. Yeah, and then that's your little it's, your little monster. So. You're right. It's it's the re- I hadn't even thought about the the rabbit trail of consumables. You're right. There will yeah. be consumables no matter what your track car is, and your 16s or 17 inch uh, rims on your Miata or your FRS. Those tires for Pilot Super Sports are a lot different than your super wide 20 21 inches on the uh, GT350. I mean, just that reality. Ouch. That is yeah. another good thought, let alone the, you know, when it goes wrong, you're at a much more handleable speed, if that's a word. Uh, so anyway, hopefully that helps you a little bit, JP. And thank you guys for listening and throwing up so many Facebook questions. We're never going to cover all of them on any podcast, but we are <laughs> going to keep asking twice a week. Every Tuesday, every Friday, this podcast happens. Thursdays, most Thursdays, we have a video. Uh, when we're recording this, the Audi piece has just dropped. We have some more Audi fun. We have another piece coming up soon from Tom Helmanzik, our European correspondent, who today spent the day at the ring, and we're both insanely jealous. Yeah, uh, you But jerk. his next piece is coming up soon. Yeah, seriously, I wish I lived an hour from the no, ring. <clears throat> anyway, but uh, there are other trade-offs. So, yeah, so Tom's next piece is coming up soon. He's in a Seat, which is going to be really cool. Uh, so we got a lot happening here. We do. EverydayDriver.com adventures tab at least go look at it just at least go look at it will you please do that just tell us what you think (laughs) we are cordially inviting you to europe and also chicago track day beating definitely again in the meantime really appreciate you guys listening as todd said thank you very much looking forward to talking to you next time thanks guys 